Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, here's what's going on tonight. Canucks and Flames are about to begin early in the second period. Minnesota up 3 nothing on St. Louis and Kings and Avalanche are about to face off. Oilers on Saturday against the Canucks, and then the first playoff game is Saturday night, Bruins and Capitals. The Oilers start the playoffs on Wednesday at home to Winnipeg. Coach Dad writes in, he says, for the record, and maybe you can check my text history, I called the Oilers winning the cup with Mike Smith and with uh, Smith winning the Conn Smythe. Shortly after the Hawks eliminated us last year, I stand by that prediction. That is from Coach Dad. Well, you know the rules about predictions on this show, Coach Dad. If you are correct, you are celebrated and enshrined forever. We'll have to make an Inside Sports Hall of Fame. That'll be our next project, Kellen. We've done the slaw. Mm. We've given the world the idea about the hologram Christmas trees. Yes. We've made name the, we've really made name the animal a worldwide phenomenon. Mm. Our next thing will be to have an Inside Sports Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, so and, and coach and coach dad, you know the rules. If you are wrong, that text message will be lost and forgotten forever. Perry writes in, he says, forget about the numbers. Did you ever watch Nurse play? I mean, simply watch him, not the puck. Uh, you know what, Perry? I have never done that in my years covering the Oilers. And Darnell Nurse has been on the team uh, most of those years. I have never watched a game where I have only watched Darnell Nurse and not paid any attention to the puck. I, I got to be honest with you. That that would be an interesting way to watch the game. Maybe someday I'll do that. Probably not in the playoffs. I'll probably try to take in the entire game and, and all the players and follow the puck quite a bit as well. All right. We are always pleased to have this Edmonton area product on the show. Now covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. It is Jody Shelley checking in. Jody, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me back on, buddy. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with you. You're definitely a, a fan favorite here at Inside Sports. So thanks a lot for doing this. And uh uh, I guess it's the good old uh, Columbus had the garbage bag day. So what, what was that day like for you as a player? That that last day you're packing up and maybe you don't know who's going to be back and all that kind of stuff. How do players spend that day? What do you talk about? Well, it's interesting. It, it depends on what situation you're in because when I was in some teams that weren't in the playoffs for a long time going into that day, a lot of anticipation, a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of excitement just to get through it and get to the off season. Um, you know, it depends on what kind of year you had personally too, because, you know, there were some years where you felt really good and, and some years where you didn't want it to end. And, and um, you knew the team was going to be in transition and you weren't sure if you're going to be a part of it. And then when I was in San Jose, it was extreme disappointment. First round knockout after winning the president's trophy to Anaheim. Lost there in the first round. Uh, team that so, uh, you know, you know, thought we were going to go the whole way and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but once you get in the locker room that next day, 
everyone's moving slow, Reed, if you know what I mean, because you usually uh, you usually let it out, let it go pretty hard for that night after. You just kind of get together and you know back of the bus, <laughs> enjoy each other, and probably stay up way too late. And then the next day uh, usually is the the team party and that. So you know you, you're you reflect, you appreciate uh, what you did in the season. You don't really look too far ahead, but you appreciate being in the moment with your guys, your teammates, the guys that uh, you've been around that entire season. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that, how the the vibe can change, I suppose, depending on the expectations. Because I'm guessing, like, if you were a team that was supposed to lose in the first round and you made it to the third round, it might be more like, oh, look how good we did. Wait, wait, wait till we're back next year. You know what? It, it is. There's a little bit of that, but there's also that, I mean, the further you get, the more you believe you can win a Stanley Cup. And so it doesn't matter when you lose, you know, for the, for the Blue Jackets and all those 15 other teams, they're disappointed that the season's over. Um, and I remember when you're out, you know, you're excited and then uh, two weeks go into it and into the offseason and you're bored silly and you're <laughs> back watching hockey. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, you're always, it doesn't matter when you lose. It's the same emotion. You're disappointed. You can't believe it. How do we do this? And then you enjoy each other, then you move on. Yeah. I got to admit, no, look, I, I didn't watch a lot of Central Division hockey because we're all in the Yeah, north. no, I know what you mean. We're in the same way. <laughs> didn't watch much outside of this. But if I would have done st- my standings predictions at the beginning of the year, I don't think I would have had Columbus eighth out of eight, especially given the last couple of seasons that they had. Uh, I mean, I guess they had the same amount of points as Detroit. I think they Detroit got that spot on a tiebreaker. Um, like, how do you kind of sum up this year for the Jackets? You know what? It was a disarray from the start because, you know, they signed Pierre-Luc Dubois to a contract and then, you know, after developing him for three years and, and putting a lot of effort into him, uh, he then stated that he no longer wanted to be with the team or, or that came out of, out of the locker room. And, you know, then, then we were the, the spotlight for the wrong reasons. Then Yarmo was forced to make a trade uh, where he sends Dubois for uh, Lion A and Roslovic out of Winnipeg. Um, you know, and that, that really put them on their heels. That was a big hole for this organization, that number one center, the guy who was a big-time uh, centerpiece of the top line and the top power play unit and penalty kill in Columbus. Uh, and then from there, Josh Anderson was a guy who wanted out, and then we bring in Max Domi. Then you have some well-respected veteran hockey players in, in those three that you know had no training camp to really bond and, and uh, go through it. It's a mountain climb with John Tortorella that he really believes it's a mental test and ga- galvanizes the group. They didn't get to do that. And then they really didn't fit into how, what he was trying to do because um, they came from different organizations and just didn't have a simplified game uh, in the way they played. So it was uh, it was rocky. They pieced it together through different ways to win. They couldn't score goals. His team could not score. And then in the end, the wheels just fell off and at the trade deadline, it was time to sell. And it, will, it really was residual from two years ago when they had Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, all those free agents stay, not trade for value, push their chips in. And at some point, Reed, after you do that, you pay the price, and they paid the price this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, how you, how you summed it up. Tortorella's not going to be back. You and I have talked a lot about him over the years because 
he's had some pretty incredible coaching accomplishments and sometimes he uh he steps into the spotlight <laughs> whether, yeah, people, yeah. <laughs> whether people like it or not uh it, i mean was it was it just was it just time or was there something specific this season that that uh, eroded for him how would you sum it up no i think it was time uh, i think it might have even been time out of the bubble you know i think that um this organization and john tortorella who i Torts is he knows where he's at he, he knows where he stands with the group he knows when a group has has uh he's squeezed them as as much as he can um you know he's a guy that if this team was continuing to grow uh i think he would have been fine but he squeezed this group last year they had so many man games lost and they fought and clawed their way into that playing round then they beat toronto uh, you know, they weren't the same team. They weren't a team that was going to uh, expected to win the Stanley Cup. But boy, he was pushing them to, to their limits. Um, and then coming into this season, you know, it just just wasn't there. So no, it was just time, Reed, for Torch to move on. And uh, you know, he was the face of the franchise as far as outsiders looking in. He, you know, he really brought that brand, and he'll be missed here in Columbus, that's for sure. Yeah, Jody Shelley joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, a little bit of talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets and their season, and of course the playoffs, ready to rock and roll almost. I mean, I was asked you about Garbage Bag Day. Do you do you feel for the teams <laughs> playing out the string like Calgary and Vancouver going into next week, or or do you look at it as like, hey man, like the game's on the schedule, suck it up and play it? No, I feel for them. I really do. I, I just you know, and and when you just the off days, I think you know, I think hockey players want to play the games we do um you know there's still auditions there's jobs there's guys that are trying to redeem and save a season and end on a high note but it's the time in between you know what i mean the day off the thought the travel um just a little bit of that i feel for but uh, to see a regular season game on saturday being played before a playoff game uh you know what that just sums up the circumstances and kind of what what these players and what the league went through to get this done this season uh and and to do it in the best way they can so just it's just part of the logistics it's it worked out i think better than they could have imagined so if that's all they have to deal with i think uh, i think everything will be fine here's the edmonton centric question what do you think of mcdavid's point total <laughs> oh my goodness it is so awesome i'm telling you what you couldn't be prouder of a guy that you know you know what i mean i don't even i've met him a couple of times i've got to interview him and and um it's just awesome for hockey it's just amazing it just seems i don't know from afar sometimes it seems effortless uh he's just that good he's a he's above and beyond and you know sports sometimes get to you get to uh enjoy that or experience it in real time like we do now with this guy and we'll look back and our kids will look back and talk about how great he was. And it's, it's special. It's just, it's spectacular to have a person like that doing what he's doing, especially in the great city of Edmonton. You know what I mean? Like you guys deserve it up there. He's, he's, he's your boy and, and we're proud of him here, but I'll tell you what, go Connor. I hope they, uh, I hope he puts the team on his back and continues. Yeah. Well, he's done that a lot already. And, and do you buy, there was this article today and an anonymous player said, well, the North isn't that good. They they can't play defense. You know, the, the the winner of the North won't be that good, and we'll get beat up. I can't remember the exact quote. I, I but I mean, does that? 
Okay, Scott, because I look at it and say, well, the, the winner of the North Division isn't going to be determined for another four or five weeks. By then, who knows what has happened? And there's some pretty lousy defensive teams in other divisions, too, to be fair, Jody. I think, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't buy it. I, I mean, there are different holes in different divisions. Um, I look at what Pittsburgh has done, and I, I'm pretty amazed. You know, I, I look at that. I, but then, y'all, you you're right. There's teams at the bottom of that division that just struggled. Philly had a great start to the year, but, boy, they they were uh, they struggled and, and I just think that that's how it works. You know what I mean? I, I I don't buy it. I think it's a real thing. I think Edmonton had their doldrums. Uh, they had enough to deal with as far as, as adversity. Uh, they're in a good position going into the playoffs. Um, I wonder about Mike Smith on the back to back Saturday Sunday. You know, four games and six nights at 39 years old. Um, Costin is going to have to come in and and carry some of the weight. But other than that. The way they're a threat, the way they're a handful, the way teams don't know how to deal with them. Uh, I don't think there's any team. There's There might be a handful of teams in the National Hockey League that could match them, uh, match well against them, but they're the elite. And if, and if Edmonton comes out, they'll see their, their matchup. And I don't think so. I just think every team is... The top three, I think, were pretty selective from each division. And after that, the bottom five or four... Uh, you could slate them in. So it, it was, uh, I, I think it was fair all the way around. Okay, one more for you. True or false, the game is officiated differently in the playoffs, and if so, how? You know, and I love the rest, but I, uh, refs, but I say true, and I'll, I'll take you through this. I, my first playoff game in San Jose, I felt like my hair was blown back. It, was, it, it, it just blew me away how nervous I was. I was on the bench almost not wanting to hear my name get called. You know, picture this in San Jose. I'm, I'm at ice level on the bench. Uh, puck drops after, you know, the all the introductions and the fans are on their feet. You're waiting for the TV timeout. Boom, it's on. And it was so fast. Everything was happening fast. Not just the game, but the way the refs were moving, the way the coach was conducting this, his lineup changes and everything. And I got on the ice and I had the shortest shift I've ever had in my life because I was like, you don't want to mess up. You feel the energy of the building. You understand the urgency of making a mistake. There's a lot there. The same thing is for the refs. They don't want to be the factor that decides the game early or late. So I think we're all in the same boat there. I think the energy of the building, the urgency of the, of the games, and, and what's on the line, I think everything is elevated. So, yes, let them play a little more. I think that's the mandate uh, that refs go into, and that's why we see that. That's exactly why. The human element of the game in the playoffs. Yeah, I like how you explain that. Jody, thanks for hopping on. I, I got to say, you, you're you always great with us here on Inside Sports and especially, um, you know, getting us uh, through last year when there wasn't a lot of hockey. You are you were always uh, the first guy to say you'd come on for some analysis or just some stories, and it was great to catch up with you throughout this season as well. So enjoy the summer ahead. I hope there's a, a lot of low scores on the golf course, and of course... <laughs> Well, we know that's not going to happen, Reed. But but I really appreciate you having me on, man. You do a great job, and uh, you know I'm, my parents live up there, my my brother is there, my sister and their kids. So uh, it's a little piece of home for me, if you will. So I appreciate it, and uh, anytime. So stay in touch. Will do. Happy to hear that. That is Jody Shelley checking in tonight, uh, former NHL enforcer, current TV analyst with the Columbus Blue Jackets. A wide ranging conversation about playoff officiating. Connor McDavid. John Tortorella, garbage bag day. Always love talking to Jody. Great analyst, great storyteller. Quick time out here, Inside Sports on Chet. 
All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Calvin writes in, he says, Hey, Reed, where will John Tortorella's next job be? That's a good question. Uh, is he going to be on TV, maybe in the United States with uh, ESPN, perhaps? Is he going to go to the Seattle Kraken? That'd be something. The Rangers now need a coach. Arizona Coyotes need a coach. I'm sure there'll be a couple more coaching changes between now and uh, the end of the playoffs. So just some things to consider. Or does he, uh, does he stay away for a while? Yeah, I'm not sure uh, exactly, but uh, he did pretty well in Columbus. I mean, like I said with Shelley, sometimes he kind of thrust himself into the spotlight or had it thrust on him in some kind of uh, unusual circumstances. But you know, overall, he's been a, he's been a pretty good coach, and he had a couple of uh, successful series with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So one of the many off-season stories to follow in the National Hockey League. Here's what's going on. On the ice, currently, it is the Flames leading the Canucks 2-1, 12 minutes into the game. Mangiapane has his 14th. Wild and Blues now tied at 3. It was 3-0 for Minnesota. Blues came back with three goals in about six minutes to tie it up. Seven minutes left in the second period, and no score 12 minutes into the game between the Kings and the Avalanche. Kings playing out the string. They only have one shot on goal. Shots are 8-1 for the Avs. A very entertaining gentleman. Down goes Brown. Sean McIndoe from The Athletic is going to check in. He has written a very insightful and thoughtful piece. <laughs> Whose bandwagon should you jump on for the playoffs? He'll explain. That's the famous or perhaps infamous call from Joe Bowen, Sylvain Lefebvre versus my buddy and colleague, Rob Brown. The down goes Brown phrase inspired our next guest. He is known as down goes Brown on the internet. His real name is Sean McIndoe. Sean, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me back. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, I want to get into something you wrote today. And like most of your stuff, it's uh, it's very good and uh, obviously has a, a nice amount of humor injected into it. How long have you had the Down Goes Brown moniker now? Oh, boy. Uh, you know what? That goes back at least 10 years. It's it's even a bit more than that. That was uh, uh, goes back to the days of me deciding to set up a blog and sitting there staring at the screen where it said enter title and going, oh, i got to come up with something. And uh, that was uh, happened to be the phrase that popped into my head. And I thought, well, this will last about two weeks. And then I typed it in there and away we went. Yeah, and of course, we did have you on air with Rob Brown, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe. Was that the first time you'd ever talked to Rob? It was, yeah, first and only, but uh, I know it's it's come up with him a few times, and he's always had a uh, great sense of humor about it, and uh, I, do, uh, I do have to say I appreciate that. I think he just wants money. I think that he just wants a royalty at some point, but I try to, I try to explain to him, I don't think you're a millionaire. Uh, you don't have to disclose that on the show, but I'm guessing you aren't. <laughs> I, I feel like if he came after me for a percentage, he might uh, he might end up feeling disappointed. 
zero percent of zero is uh, is still zero so there you go well yeah uh, i mean look people know your your online personality and uh it's it's pretty good and i always have fun looking at your stuff and i was thinking we should get them on again at some point and then you you uh, really gave me a kick in the pants today with what you wrote the title it's on the athletic.com down goes brown the bandwagon hoppers guide to the stanley cup playoffs uh did you have this in the works for a while did it sort of just come to you quickly where did it come from yeah well this is one i've been doing for a little while now this this has been pretty close to an annual installment for uh, for a few years at least and it's it's just my attempt to help those out there whose teams may not have made the playoffs uh, and who may feel like they want to adopt the team temporarily. I'm not one of those guys, by the way, and, and I know there's a lot of fans out there like me where, hey, if my team is not in the playoffs, forget it. I hope everybody's as miserable as me. I hope everybody loses, and uh, and, and I'm just going to sit there with my arms crossed and, and hope for misery for everybody. Um, that's my style, but it's not everyone. Some people just like to, you know what, you, you, your team's not around what do you do? You go, you have a little fling with some other team. You adopt some other team, and, and that's fine if that's how you want to do it. But you got to choose wisely. There's certain things that go into a good bandwagon pick, and there's certain things that, that maybe you want to avoid and, and haven't put some thought into that. I like to just offer up a few suggestions and a little bit of guidance for any fans who might be looking for it. Now, when you do these rankings, do you get fan or colleague input, or is this all down goes brown? Well, I, I get an awful lot of input afterwards. Let's uh, let's, <laughs> let's put it that way. No, no, this like most of the things that I write. You know, lots of my colleagues are very plugged in. They're insiders. They've got contacts around the league. Big important names in their ear, whispering things, letting them know what's going on. I, I don't work that way. It, uh, for for my stuff, no, it's me sitting on the couch, uh, just just pulling stuff out of the air most of the time. But uh, yes, yeah, certainly uh, the the fans do tend to let me know uh, after I have. Uh, written something whether uh, whether they agree or not or if if they think i may have gone astray they will politely offer up suggestions on how i can do better next time uh, of course they do well i'm not going to go through the whole list with you but i, I want to hit on a couple of course so this is down goes brown his bandwagon hoppers guide to the 2021 stanley cup playoffs and you say your opinion is the least the the last team that you should get on the bandwagon so don't jump on the bandwagon is the tampa bay lightning how come yeah absolutely i mean you you can't bandwagon jump the defending champions that just that just doesn't work i mean look if you if you want to be a bandwagon hopper go ahead no judgment from my side but what nobody wants, what nobody likes, is a front runner. Nobody likes the ones who jump on the bandwagon of the team that that's that's just recently won. The team that's the very best team in the league. There's no there's no honor in that. I mean, anybody can do that. Anybody can just look up the scoreboard and see who's who's got the bigger number and then uh, uh, just run over there. Uh, you got to give yourself at least a little bit of a degree of difficulty. And you look at Tampa Bay. Look, I I like the team. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, I think they've done a really great job of cheating the salary cap this year and uh, they've got a real good chance to go deep in the playoffs uh and all of those things would have been great reasons to jump on their bandwagon last year when i had them ranked pretty high and hopefully you did because that was the year to do it this year you, you can't you can't bandwagon the defending champs i think that's you make you make some really good points uh you have to do the four teams in the north division you have the maple leafs 
is sort of in the top half. Uh, you have the them as the sixth best bandwagon to jump on. Yeah, and and it, the Maple Leafs are always tough when I do this because uh, look, I'm very aware that. Up here in Canada, you're you're either a Maple Leafs fan or chances are uh, you can't stand the Maple Leafs. And the idea of ever jumping on a Maple Leafs bandwagon uh, goes against uh, everything that you stand for, everything that you believe in. So I, I do get that. My argument when it comes to the Leafs is, look, you take away the team name, take away the history, and just go down the checklist of things you're looking for in a good bandwagon team. I mean, this is, this is a team where it's a fun, exciting team. Uh, it's it's a team that can score a lot of goals, but is just so so defensively, which means you're going to be seeing lots of offense. It's going to be exciting games to watch. They've got a good chance to go deep into the playoffs, but not such a great chance that it feels like you're jumping on the obvious favorite. They haven't won in forever. That's a great story. It's a lot of fun. You know, we've seen it with the Washington Capitals and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, going back a little further, we, we you know we saw the Blackhawks end their drought. We saw the Kings get their first cup. That's always a great story. And it would be a great story uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs if you're not coming into it with the baggage of going, I would never, ever, ever cheer for the Leafs. And I understand most people in Canada who aren't already Leaf fans fall into that camp. But if you're down in the States or you're somebody who's brand new to it or, or, you know, maybe you just don't care about that stuff, I do think I can't put the Leafs in the top five because of all that baggage. But they check a lot of the boxes that you should be looking for. All right. Everybody wants to know, in terms of the bandwagon hopper's guide to the playoffs, where are the Edmonton Oilers, Sean? I got them way up high. I got them as my top bandwagon pick uh, for the North Division uh, among the, those Canadian teams, and I think I ended up having them second overall in the whole league. Uh, and look, it's uh, again, they check a lot of those same boxes. They're they're an exciting team, an offensive team. It's a great fan base. They've been waiting 30 years plus for to, for another Stanley Cup. So uh, even though that dynasty that I grew up with, there was a lot of jealousy around that. That that's faded by now. But look, here's the main reason that you you want to bandwagon the Edmonton Oilers. It's Connor McDavid. That's it. That that's 90% of the reason. You don't have to overthink this thing. This guy, the season that he is having. This is a generational star having a season for the ages. Uh, If you're lucky enough to be an Oilers fan, you've been there start to finish, that's great. You'll remember this forever. But if not... If you got an opportunity to jump on the bandwagon now and and really get to root for Connor McDavid, not just in the highlight packages, but to sit down and watch the game and just go up that experience of going, what is this kid going to do tonight? I can't wait to find out, and I I want to see it because it's my team that I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be cheering on during the playoffs. I think that's a great experience. If you're looking for the fun of jumping on a bandwagon, jump on the bandwagon of the team that's got the most exciting player of his generation. Uh, and you can't really go wrong with that. Uh, that's good, Sean. I, I love this stuff. And, and see, here's the thing what fans are like. Somebody writes in and goes, Ask Sean about the Flames, LOL. Oilers fans are gloating that Calgary didn't get in. So. I should point out, Flames fans, you are completely excused from everything I just said about the Edmonton Oilers. You're under no obligation whatsoever, and you are completely free to just bandwagon whoever the Oilers are playing at any given time. Where do people find your stuff on Twitter and online? 
can find me on Twitter at that uh, handle down goes brown, and uh, you can find my uh, my work at the Athletic. Uh, you can check that out, and uh, if you're into podcasts, uh, I've got a podcast on the Athletic at the Athletic Hockey Show, as well as Puck Soup uh, with my buddies Ryan Lambert and Greg Wyshynski. I'm going to tell Rob the checks in the mail. Thanks for hopping on the show. <laughs> it's on the way. Thanks. That is awesome stuff. He's an entertaining guy. Down goes Brown, Sean McIndoe, and he has uh, written the bandwagon, bandwagon hopper's guide to the upcoming playoffs. And he says, if you don't already have a team, and most of you already have the Oilers, but he says, if, if, you, don't already, if you don't have a team in the playoffs, he thinks the Oilers are the second best choice if you're looking for a bandwagon. He ranked the Florida Panthers number one. How about that? 744 Inside Sports on Chet. Okay, I want to spend a few minutes here with the commissioner of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, Ryan Bartoshik, is on the line. Ryan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, good, Reed. How are you? Well, I'm really happy to have you on the show, Ryan, and you and I have been in touch uh, a lot, really ever since you became commissioner, but especially over the last year or so, and I, I know it's been a rocky, rocky ride for the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So I want to ask just how you're feeling. There, there was an AJHL season. It obviously was not uh, as extensive as it usually would have been. And the finish line did not involve a trophy being passed out or anything like that. But how did it feel to get in the games that you guys were able to get in? Yeah, you know, it it definitely was a process. And um, at the end of any season, you kind of step back and and reflect on on the year. And and typically that year involves uh, a champion, most likely a Doyle Cup and a national championship participation as well. And, you know, this year's it's a little different, but still proud and, and, and proud in the sense that we provided our athletes with the opportunity to, to develop, um, to provide exposure for them, to have the benefits of the game, being together, uh, the physical and the mental attributes that you get from the game. So, you know, I, I think as we move on here, um, that feeling of pride will even grow more so. Um, just based on the fact that our teams and our athletes and our communities committed to our return. And, and again, um, there was a lot of response to, to the athletes and our staff that um, in order to play, we had to follow certain protocols. And, and again, very proud of our teams and, and our league to, to commit to that and, and ultimately get those games in. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, teams played, uh, some teams got into the high teens, into the 20s, and if you include the the other season, I guess some teams got close to 30. So that's that's not too bad. Um, but but how, did you have one or two teams that choose, chose not to participate, or what was the story there? Yeah, we had some challenges um, specifically within two communities, and then one was Lloyd Minster, given the fact that we had to work with the government of Saskatchewan uh, and unfortunately couldn't move forward there and the other was in Canmore um, and there were some challenges there with with their facility so you know I respect the decision that they made as organizations and and again looking forward to welcoming them back and um, getting them back here for the for the start of next season. Well and I'm glad you mentioned the start of next season because I know you want it to happen uh, but I know that Hey, you know, financial challenges, all, all that kind of thing. Do you feel on track for a normal or fairly close to normal year starting in the fall? 
yeah, we're, we're hopeful, uh, just like everyone else that, you know, things will get back to somewhat normal moving forward here. But, you know, I think the one benefit of, of going through this past year is the relationships we've built with the Alberta government, um, Alberta health, our chief medical officer, um, and just the, the connections that we need and the, the conversations we need to have towards next season, um, we've built those relationships already. So, you know, that's that's the one benefit moving forward here. And, and then internally as a league, um, you know, just collectively how we had to work to get to this point, to have a season. And I think stepping back, that was a big part of it as far as, you know, how individually as teams we could come together and, and put our turn to play on the table and ultimately execute. So, you know, there's a, there's a big sense of pride as far as what we were able to do collectively and, and the responsibility we were able to take on. Brian Bartoshik, AJHL commissioner, joining us tonight at Inside Sports. I'm wondering how this affected players who are looking to go to another level after the AJHL. Certainly the NCAA is usually a good opportunity for players in the AJ. Did you still have players being offered scholarships? What was maybe that reduced because opportunities to view a player were reduced? I'm wondering how you sum that up. Yeah, there was obviously a benefit of us playing and, and us playing meaningful games in the sense that there was true competition and that created value for, for our graduating players and exposure for all of our athletes. And it was really exciting to see exposure when we could have scouts in the building. Um, some of the success we saw online with, with our viewership and, uh, and ultimately the commitment that came through from, from playing this season and, and, you know, you step back and, you look at it and, and that's why we're doing this. And I think there'll be a real benefit to our league next year, as far as the experience that the younger players had um, over this past year, the league is as well as the older players where, you know, perhaps in a normal year, they'd be moving on to college. Uh, but I think we'll see a lot of guys stay in our league um, next season. So I'm really excited about the opportunity for uh, just the overall quality and talent in our league next year. Yeah, well, uh, I do as well. But speaking of the future, Ryan, look, I, I want to ask you another question here. And I, I've talked about this a little bit on my show in, in the past, and, and I have spoken to people in, in junior A hockey that, that something appears to be going on with the BCHL. Um, I, I don't know if you can touch on that or not, but I do want to ask about the future of junior a hockey in Canada. Is there some sort of a shift happening? What's a fair way to characterize it? Or, or maybe this is just a, a radio guy making too much of, of a rumor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a lot going on behind the scenes and I think what it's really done is has galvanized the CJHL and, and those existing and current leagues within the CJHL. And, you know, it, it's, it's easy to look at it from, you know, a thousand miles up and um, talk about, potentially which leagues are the best and um you know everyone else needs to replicate that but the reality is every league in the cjhl has value to to their athletes to their communities and and ultimately to the entire system um and at the end of the day when you look at it we're developing athletes and now leagues across the country may send those athletes to different places but ultimately we're all valuable pieces to the system and um Collectively, again, just like within our league, we work together as CJHL leagues. We have to work together um, and be part of the system and, and understand 
the benefits of the CJHL, um, the benefits of the individual leagues as far as how they operate and, and where they send and develop players. And um, from coast to coast, um, we're all integral pieces here. So, yeah, you know, we're uh, we're going to initiate a new season here June 1. And, you know, for us, we're, we're focused on being members of the CJHL and, and looking forward to the upcoming season being members in the league and, and ultimately going through the pathway of, uh, you know, crowning our champion, participating in the national championship and, and competing in those events, which are the World Junior A Challenge and, and the CJHL Prospect Scheme that, you know, as CJHL members, we we can participate in. So, um, yeah, a, a lot going on. And, you know, again, those conversations are happening behind the scenes in the sense that how do we make the CJHL better? How do we work collectively to ensure that Junior A Hockey is is currently on, on the process where, um, it's a valuable option across the country. And I think, you know, individually in Alberta, we've done a good job. And, and um, again, looking forward to, to next season. Well, I appreciate that, Ryan. And as you know, I remain a big supporter of the AJHL and Junior A Hockey, and, I, and I'm glad that the AJ got, got games in this year. And, and I hope that, uh, that, like you said, from coast to coast, it remains strong and viable for, for players and coaches for sure. Thanks for keeping us updated throughout the season. Um, you know, I, I, I would say to you that I hope you get a bit of a break here, but I doubt that you will. So I'll just say keep plugging away. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for the support. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.